Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. The Bible passage is the reading from Mark. Begins with the Pharisees concerned about washing of hands and ends with Jesus talking about what comes out of your heart. When we talk about washing hands, for the most part, we're dealing with hygiene. I saw a meme the other day that said that washing your hands was a good thing to do even before the pandemic. We want to make sure that what we do is healthy and we keep other people from getting sick, washing our hands. But washing your hands also has a deeper, a more symbolic meaning in the scriptures. In the Bible, we hear a story, an account, a moment when Jesus is on trial, he's brought before Pontius Pilate, and no matter what Pontius Pilate does, he can't convince all the Jewish leaders and the people of the nation there to let Jesus go. They want Barabbas instead. He knows Jesus is not guilty of anything, but still they cry out, crucify him. And at a very poignant moment, Pilate simply says, I wash my hands of this whole affair. I'm not going to take responsibility for it. It's not my fault. I'm not guilty. You are. I wash my hands. For the Pharisees and the people of Israel back then, Washing your hands was a way to keep you from being defiled or contaminated or polluted or unclean. And if you were unclean or defiled, that meant you could not worship in the temple or a synagogue. You weren't right with God. You weren't a part of God's people. And so they would be very, very careful to make sure that they didn't do anything that would defile them, but then they would wash their hands. Talked about the marketplace. And they go into the marketplace, they would jostle up against people of different nations and Gentiles and others who were not clean. And when they came back, they needed to wash their hands to make themselves clean again. It went so far, I read, that even if the shadow of somebody who was unclean, like a Gentile, passed over their clothes or the pot or the pan, they had to wash everything to be clean once again. If you go back then, this list of various things to stay clean or to be clean, to not be defiled, grew and grew and grew. It became a checklist. A checklist of hundreds of things to do or not to do. Things you could eat and not eat how far you could walk on a Sabbath day, what kind of work was allowed or not allowed, what days you were to worship on, how you were to do a sacrifice. I'm just a checklist. But I'll tell you this, a checklist is bad news. If you're relying on a checklist to make sure you're worthy to come in here to worship or that you're right with God, good with other people, oh, it's either going to make you really proud and puffed up, or 
it's going to tear you down. You see, a checklist is anything but good news. Why? Because Jesus takes that checklist and makes it a matter of the heart. Out of the heart, he says. Out of the heart. Now, for us, a heart is an organ beating in the chest. Or on Valentine's Day, you have a heart that indicates love or the little emojis with heart eyes. But back in the biblical days, when you read God's Word, you, you see that the heart is your whole personality. It's not just the ticker inside of your chest. The heart is what makes you tick. It includes what you're thinking about. We have vestiges of this in our, in our own language. When you have a disagreement or you're arguing about something, you want to get to the heart of the matter. Mary, when she heard she was to have uh, the baby Jesus and how he was born and then presented him in the temple and Simeon and Anna and all this is going on, it finally says she pondered, pondered all these things where in her heart. Memories, your memories are a matter of the heart in the Bible. We still have a little bit of that. You learn something, you memorize it by heart. Has to do with your emotions, but not just love with that little heart, but you could have a loss of heart. Fear. Or Pharaoh had a hard heart, angry and stubborn and proud. Or joy. I got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. All the emotions grow out of your heart. And desires. Oh, desires of the heart. I read somewhere that you could get this little tool faster where you could find out what car you should buy. You could put in how what you want to use it for, how much you got to spend, how big's your family, all that stuff. And then when you're done, it'll tell you this is the car that's best for you. But what they found out is that people who use that often ignored it because they bought the car they wanted anyway. That's why you see Corvettes and, and uh, sports cars driven by those going through midlife trifles or something. Out of the heart comes desires. And of course, it's still a part of your body, too. The heart, it's what makes you tick. It's your whole self, your whole personality, thoughts and memories and desires and emotions. And when Jesus takes it to the heart, then a checklist is not your friend. Well, I took three things out of Jesus' list that he has in that Bible passage. I took theft and murder and adultery. We'll, we'll take it as a little bit like a checklist here. Theft. I don't suppose too many of us have ever robbed a bank or a store. That one would seem to be pretty easy to just put a little 
check there. Until you make it a matter of the heart. And then you find out somebody's got a bigger TV than you do, and the desire is for, well, or perhaps you're not quite satisfied with what you have, or you're not content, or your emotions get the best of you, or you try to think of a way where you don't have to pay as much, or you don't leave a good tip for someone. Well, when you make it a matter of the heart in a checklist, it gets pretty schmeary. Well, murder, now that one's obviously got to be an easy check right there. Uh, we haven't killed anybody until you make it a matter of the heart. I struggle with this one. We keep reading in the news that the most severe cases in the hospital now of COVID or those who are dying are coming from those who are unvaccinated. I just read yesterday that a very conservative talk show radio host from Nashville who made fun of vaccines and masks got COVID and yesterday he died. Now, we are to be compassionate and caring for his family. But don't you feel just a little bit inside that says he got what he deserved? Serves him right? On a more trivial level, a car speeds by you on I-44. And a little while later, you see the police has pulled them over, and you feel a little smug. Or perhaps you really haven't cared for someone, taken care of them, been generous with your money. You haven't helped them in their physical needs. When Jesus makes it a matter of the heart, your desires and your thoughts, well, that gets pretty smeary, too. And adultery, well, committed adultery? Well, you know what Jesus says. Anybody who looks at somebody else lustfully has already committed adultery where? In your heart. It could be when you're watching a movie and a certain scene comes on that shows way too much or something on your computer or as you're scrolling through Facebook or you meet somebody and the desires of your heart just spring into action. Oh, what we watch and see and desire, well, you would think it would be an easy check, but it's pretty smeary. When Jesus makes it a matter of the heart, a checklist is a disaster because no one is worthy to come in and worship him. No one is good with God. No one could be a part of his holy nation. And that's where this Bible passage ends. But it's not where Jesus stops. If you follow Jesus, 
you find out that he will defile himself. Let himself be contaminated. That's what the Pharisees were complaining about. One day Jesus is walking along with a big crowd of people. He's being jostled. People are touching him. Probably some of them are not clean, but it's okay. And a woman who's had this flow of blood for 12 years sneaks up behind him and touches his garment. And the power goes out from him. And she's healed. And Jesus stops. Who touched me? Well, everybody's saying, look at all these people around. A lot of people are touching you. Oh, who touched me? I felt the power. And the woman is scared. You can, you know her heart is just beating away. And she admits it. In that moment when she thinks she's going to be scolded or sent away, Jesus welcomes her and commends her. Out of that moment of defilement, this woman is made whole. He continues on to the house where he's been invited. A 12-year-old girl is sick. By the time he gets there, she's already dead. You don't go into a person's house that's got a dead body in it. That will defile you, the, the Pharisees say. But Jesus goes right in. You don't touch a, a corpse. That'll contaminate you. No, nope, no. Nope. He picks up this little girl's hand and gives her life out of death and defilement and uncleanness. He brings life and joy. Lepers, lepers were always excluded, sent out from the community. You never touched them. You didn't say anything to them. You had to keep your distance. They could be, be a part of the worship life. I mean, it was the worst thing in the world to be a leper. And what does Jesus do? He goes right up to them. He heals them, and he waits for the one who's a foreigner a Samaritan to come back and thank him. He eats with tax collectors, sinners, prostitutes, those who, who are thieves and commit adultery. And he takes this contamination and this defilement, this uncleanness, all the way, all the way to the cross. And there he takes all of our defilement. He takes every unclean thought, every desire, everything that would just smear these checkboxes. And he forgives them. We don't need a checklist. What we need what we need is a cross list. We're on the cross. Jesus cleanses us. And out of the tomb, out of that empty tomb on Easter morning, 50 days later on Pentecost, he sends his Holy Spirit, and his Holy Spirit produces in us not another checklist to keep, but out of this clean heart and a renewed spirit, he sends the Holy Spirit to produce fruit. Fruit that had taken deep root within us. 
Think about that for a moment. Give you a couple examples of what a clean heart does. About the year 250 AD, a deacon in the church by the name of Lawrence was commanded by a Roman prefect. Actually, sort of the same position that Pilate had, a Roman prefect, had the authority to execute people. And this prefect demanded that Lawrence, who as a deacon had control and was overseeing the property of the church, demanded that he bring all the valuables to the church. And so what does Lawrence do? He brings the needy and the poor and the hungry to this Roman prefect. And he says, these are the treasures of the church. Those who the church has shown love and concern and care for. That did not go over very well with the Roman prefect, and uh, tradition has it he was fried alive on a, grid, a, grid, on a griddle. It cost him his life. But notice out of the depths of this clean heart, who are the treasures of the church? I had a conversation with one of our returning students. All the vicars who come back to the campus sit down and talk with me for an hour to go over their vicarage and the reports, and I ask them if they've been vaccinated or not. And this one particular student said, yes, I was vaccinated as quick as I could. He had seen an older woman in the congregation, healthy and active, get COVID and die in just a couple weeks. And his comment to me was this. I'd feel terrible if I was the reason someone got COVID and got sick in this congregation. I don't know where you're out on vaccination or not vaccination, but really want to try to get you. Notice the, the heart that's in this statement. A concern for someone else's well-being. A clean heart, a renewed heart, is concern for someone else and how we can keep them well. This past summer, my older sister and brother-in-law celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. It's a milestone. And they gathered together the people from the wedding party. We all looked much older from those wedding pictures. I was one of the groomsmen, and, and so the bridesmaids were there, and the flower girl, the ushers, and of course, their own kids and grandkids. It was a small party, and they held it at the fellowship hall of the church. It was a moment of celebration. Now, was that 50 years of joy and peace and all those fruit of the Spirit? Uh, I know my sister better than that. She knows me better than that. But, but there is that moment of 50 years of faithfulness. 
These are moments, if you just look around and you see the fruit of faithfulness and patience and self-control and peace and joy and, and love, gentleness. Out of the depths of the heart, clean hearts, hearts cleansed by Jesus, renewed hearts for the fruit of the Spirit. You don't want a checklist. You want a cross list. Because from the cross and the empty tomb, we get clean hearts and renewed spirits. Amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all our understanding fill our hearts, clean our hearts, and fill us with those fruit that such a renewed spirit brings. Amen.